Welcome to the SCG Church Young Adults Podcast, where we get to bring you sermons and content to help you bring you closer to Jesus, develop your faith, and just figure out life. Join us Sunday nights at 7 p.m. in the SCG Church Warehouse for our Young Adult Services, or at our General Services. We hope you enjoy. Amen, amen. All right, you guys may be seated. Well, Happy New Year. Honestly, I didn't know if anyone was going to show up, so I'm stoked you guys are here. I didn't know if it was going to be like me and the worship team, but hyped you guys are here. Uh, tonight, we're doing something different. I actually did prepare a, t- a sermon, and then um, I was thinking, we got a few thousand questions in. If you go to our church and you were here this, this weekend, you know that Cody and I, in our main campus, we did a, um, a hot seat where we had our congregation texting some questions, and we would try our very best to kind of answer that. We got literally thousands of questions, and we only answered like 20 or so, and so I figured I'll give you guys 30, 45 minutes or so to kind of journey through some more uh, questions together. And so no questions are off topic. I'll try to, my very best to answer any question that you text in. You know, I'm sure I will get a bunch, but I'll go through them as quick as I can and answer them to the best of my ability. All right, um, I'm going to give you guys three minutes. You ready? If you don't have a phone, I, I don't know why you wouldn't. Um, but talk to someone that does. All right, you got three minutes. Ready, set, go. All right, guys. I got a question for you guys. Any New Year's resolutions? What do you got? What, what's, your, what's your New Year's resolution? All right, for the Boston Marathon. Wow, okay. Anyone else? Getting closer to God, I love it. Get baptized, I love it. You! Learning how to fly fish, interesting. Okay, you're in your backyard, just... All right, what's up? Get your what? Your what? I'm 30 now, so I'm deaf, just so you guys know. I turned 30 like five days ago, and like I don't... I'm deaf now, thank you, bro. Um, All right, anyone else? Trying to get a beard. There's a ginger beard. You don't want this, dude. I promise you. It's gray. It's technicolored. All right. Anyone else? Are you guys in the, are you guys in the goal setting? Here's my thought. Here's my thought. You didn't ask, but here's my thoughts about New Year's resolution. It's just giving you an excuse not to change immediately. You know what I'm saying? It's like you start like in November, December thinking about, like, oh, I need to go on a diet. I need to start reading more. I should probably start going to church. And you're like, well, I'll start that in a new year. And it's just an excuse for you not to change now. So we created a date and then, you know, three, three weeks into it, you have already forgot the thing. Anyways, all right. Um, I've got a bunch of questions. Let's hop into it. But before, here's why we do this real quick. All right. If you're new to Seacoast, new to church, welcome. My name is Matt. Um, I like to provide a place for you to ask questions. I don't want to stand up here on a stage. I guess I'm not on a stage, but normally I am. Um, and be like, like un- unapproachable and kind of this idea that like, you can't ask questions. Uh, years ago, um, uh, when my dad was alive, he shared a story with me of when he went to a um, Catholic school, and he uh, asked the priest when he was like 17 or so um, some questions about macroevolution as it was kind of becoming popular around the time that he um, was in high school. And um, the priest said, you're not supposed to ask questions, you're supposed to have faith. And it was at that moment that my dad said, well, this isn't for me. Uh, and if I could go back in time, I'd probably like clock that priest like in the face because like I hate that answer. I hate it. God is big enough. If he is the author and sustainer of truth, he's big enough for your doubt, for your questions. I think of Thomas, right, who historically has been given the name Doubting Thomas. I like to give him the name Seeking Thomas. Um, he was like, he saw like Jesus resurrect from the dead. He's like, nah, bro. Like, I know how this works. Like, people stay dead, you know, like. And, and so he asked Jesus for proof. And what did Jesus do? He handed him his hands and showed him that they were pierced and showed him that, that his side had been pierced like, um, like the Roman centurion pierced his side. Handing him evidence. And if you are authentic in your quest um, for truth, I believe God will also hand you evidence as well. And so um, let me pray for us really quick. And one of the reasons that we do these whole, um, these, these whole nights anyways, right, is for one reason, I want you to know that you can ask questions. And two, if you are authentic and genuine in your search, your quest for truth, I believe you'll find its author, that person being God. Let me pray for us real quick. Father, today we're thankful 
Um, that you're a good God, and that you're a God of truth. And so, Father, as we um, kind of go through some questions that some, some of my friends here are wrestling with, I ask that you give me the wisdom and discernment and knowledge needed to adequately answer them. God, we love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. All right, so um, I, got, I already can see I got a bunch from, like, the ones that I answered this morning. I'll, I'll, it, maybe you weren't here. Um, the first one, why do we call him Jesus when the English translation is closer to Joshua? Um, it's actually a great question because the, the truth is the Hebrew name Yeshua translated in English is Joshua. Um, but the English, or I'm sorry, the Hebrew, Yeshua, was given the Greek, Lesuis. Lesuis turned into Jesus because it's the translation. So we call him Jesus because the New Testament was written in the language of Greek, not Hebrew. There you go. Um, do, do babies who died in the womb go to heaven? Do babies from abortions go to heaven? Yeah, that would have. Uh, starting, starting soft, guys. That's great. Um, uh, here's why the Bible doesn't give us answers to this. Because if the Bible was certain if it said, yes, all babies go to heaven, what would be the most loving thing to do? Just start killing babies, you know what I'm saying? Or start throwing them off cliffs, whatever it is, you know, like hitting them with your car, whatever. Why? Because it would guarantee their access to heaven. So God knows that we, we suck. And so like he doesn't tell us like, yes, babies go to heaven. Um, Cause you know that we'd be pretty evil, right? And, and so, um, historically, the church has taught the answer yes, and there's also something called the age of accountability. Um, and so I, when I answer this, like, like when, when I'm sitting with someone who's lost a, a child, you know, I'm, I'm probably going to give them the answer yes. I'm not going to be like, well, you know, it, it doesn't, you know. Um, but we don't really know. Um, God has something called omnisapience. It's his ability to view all outcomes and possibilities. What's that movie? Um, it's a Marvel movie. Uh, this is Dr. Strange dude. He's like doing some like weird yoga thing and he's like seeing like a billion different like outcomes. You know what I'm talking about? Well, that, that, that quality, that property is called omnisapiens. It's the capacity to see alternate realities. And so God could, in his foreknowledge, know that if this person did live till they were 10, 11, 12, 13, or uh, ch- uh, choose him and then he retroactively, uh, maybe. That's called Molinism. You don't care about it. Anyways, all right. Um, wow, we got 68 questions. Cool. Um, how do you have a conversation with someone you're close with who's questioning their faith? Because I think if God knows what I'm going through, why would he put it on my heart of my pastor to give me a sermon about it? If God knows what I'm going through, why wouldn't he put it on the heart of my pastor to give a sermon about it? I think that uh, you're misinterpreting the primary way God speaks. Yes, God speaks through pastors. But the primary way he speaks is through his word. And so if you are struggling with something, whether it be doubt, some questions, or you need some peace, or you need some hope, you need to go to the source of it, right, and immerse yourself in, in, in God's word. Um, yeah, but I, as a pastor, I've, I've been a pastor, for, I mean, I've been working here for 12 years. Um, I've had, like, conversations where I'll be, I'll just, like, it's called words of knowledge. In the book of Ephesians, it talks about this, where, like, I'll be giving a sermon, and I'm just, like, looking yonder, and the truth is, I don't know all of you guys here. I don't, I don't know everyone's names. I don't know everyone's stories and what you guys are going through, and I'll just start, like, like saying something, and it ends up being the exact circumstance of something, you know, someone that's going through something, um, and, and I think that God does speak through pastors. God does speak through people, um, but he also primarily speaks through his word, and so I can't answer the question of why God doesn't giving me the knowledge or your pastor or whatever it is, uh, you know, you wanted to, you needed a message on, I don't know, hope or peace and, and, or, or doubt or forgiveness, and you're not exactly getting that. But turn to his word. Um, I'm, there's so many questions. Well, wow. you guys wrote paragraphs. Uh, how do you know if you're really hearing the voice of God? This is a great question. Um, 
if you read the book of Revelation, which uh, if you've been around young adults for a while, I did like a eight-week series or something on, uh, in the creed uh, it, uh, on Revelation, the most depressing thing I've ever done in my life. Um, talked the Mark of the Beast and this, you know, Antichrist and all that. Um, it says that in the end days, and 2 Timothy talks about this too, that Christians will, people that label themselves Christians will flock to the Antichrist. And that's because they've never actually heard Jesus' voice from themselves. They've thought that Jesus or God sounds like the voice of their pastor because they're not in their word. Like, what, is, what did Jesus say? The sheep will know the shepherd's voice. You only get to know the shepherd's voice through spending time with the shepherd. Not with a pastor. The word pastor in Greek is poimen, which means shepherd, but I'm not the good shepherd, right? I can lead us to the good shepherd. Um, so how do you know if you're hearing God's voice? Through the repetition of going to his word so you know what it sounds like. Years ago, I was um, meeting with um, a group of Mormons at um, uh, Pete's Coffee, and uh, they didn't let me know they were Mormons, and uh, they saw I had a Bible. We started sparking up a conversation. They started kind of saying some things about Jesus, and this was 12 years ago. This is when I was just kind of starting to figure out faith and things like that, and, um, or 13 years ago, and uh, they started talking about Jesus, and, and, and some of the things they were saying, I was like, That's a, like, that doesn't sound like, I don't hear Jesus there. That doesn't sound like him, and I said, well, you guys said you're Christians, and they said, oh, we're Mormon, and I was like, Oh, you guys don't, you fundamentally aren't Christian. They believe that Jesus is a created being, that he's Michael the archangel, came incarnate, like completely different, right? It, nowhere does it, um, this Colossians or Hebrews or Romans, it presents a different Jesus to us. Jesus himself presents a different Jesus. You know God's voice by going to his word. You will not know his voice if you don't go to his word. I'll keep it that simple. Um, is it important as a believer to study theology? God never bypasses your heart. I'm saying it this way. God never bypasses your mind to get to your heart. Uh, I'm not, okay, I hope this doesn't, I don't care. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. I hope it doesn't offend anybody. Um, I think a majority, not the Christians here, because you guys showed up on the first of the new year, uh, but a large percentage of Christians I just think are idiots, to be honest with you. Like, they pluck scripture out and use it as a life verse. Uh, Jeremiah 29, 11, right? For God's have plans for you to prosper. That's not written to you and me. It was written to the Jews in Babylonian exile 2,600 years ago. Um, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Uh, that's like, you know, on December 31st, like, I can pound that bottle of vodka. I can do all th-, you know, it's like, or whatever, right? Like, um, Paul's writing that in a Roman prison about to be killed, you know, saying I can lay down my life, you know. Um, I do think it's very important to study theology. No, you don't need to, like, pursue it, educa- like, like, through the form of, like, going to Biola or something along those lines, but... Theology, theos, means God. Ology, the study of. Like bios, life. Ology, the study of. Biology, the study of life. Theology is the study of God himself. And um, you can do that by uh, reading commentaries and things along those lines. Um, I think too many Christians are led by uh, their emotions. Uh, and this is the reason, that's, they, this is the reason that uh, most young adults don't actually, the church that they, they grew up going to or the church that they started go, going to in their young adult years, they, they leave. And the reason they leave is because that pastor, that worship set no longer gave them the emotional uh, fulfillment that they, they thought um, that they needed, and so they go to a new place. And the grass is greener for a few months, but then, then it's not. Because God wants you to stay planted. As long as your pastor and your church is teaching orthodox theology, stay there. Uh, get involved. That's how you grow. Um, so yes, I think it's important to study theology because it's important that you know who God is. Uh, let's see what else we got. Um... Explain the Trinity. All right. Um, 
Cody gave it an analogy this morning that ah, I don't really like that much, but um, uh, like I just can't envision it. Like he's, I don't know, it's like some Pink Floyd like crystal thing. I don't know, it's weird. Um, all right, so I like the, I, this one falls short, by the way, and if you know theology, you know why it falls short. It's called modalism, but um, I like to think of it as like water. Uh, water kills made of what molecules? Yeah, H2O, right? That wasn't a trick question. You're like trying to go back to your biology class. Um, H2O, right? H2O comes in what three forms? Liquid, solid, and gas, right? Um, where that falls short is their forms, and the Trinity is three distinct persons. So I'm going to give you a definition of the Trinity. Um, within the one being that there is God, there simultaneously exists three co-equal and co-eternal persons, namely the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's the idea of this, right? That um, Jesus is God, um, the Father is God, the Holy Spirit is God. They are not each other, but they're all God. And there's only one God. Right? So like, there's nothing in the material world that's going to mimic something of the supernatural, right? And so the Trinity is something that, that um, is going to be perplexing to us. And also the word Trinity is not found in Scripture. It comes in the third century um, with a group of people trying to kind of classify what, do, what, what, what should we identify the Godhead as. And the word Trinitarian nature came up. Tri-nature is what it means. Um, wow, there is... What is the Church of Scientology? Yes. Uh, I did a series on this. It was called Cults, Counterfeit, uh, Counterfeit Gospels, and Gold, something like that. It was years ago. Um, and uh, the Church of Scientology is wild. You know who does a great job at communicating what the Church of Scientology is all about? South Park. I'm dead serious. They do have an episode on it. I don't normally watch it, but I watched that episode because I was like, this is fire. Um, okay, 75 million years ago, the evil alien Xenu um, bombed with nuclear weapons, because um, they had those 75 million years ago, uh, a bunch of planets grabbed all of their souls. This is truly what they believe, by the way, but you have to spend like $250,000 in, you know, you got to be Tom Cruise to figure out this is what they're teaching. But anyway, um, he's like a famous scientist. Anyway, all right. Um, so uh, they believe that the evil alien Xenu bombed planets all over the galaxy, grabbed their souls by using a vacuum cleaner, dead serious, and then brought them over to planet Earth, dropped them in volcanoes, and inside the volcanoes, there were movie theaters. The movie theaters, this is 100% what they believe, uh, uh, the movie theaters taught them about religion and Jesus and things like that so they could be easier coerced and forced into um, social programming, um, keep you know, things on those lines. Um, each person has thousands of what they call thetas that exist inside them, other souls and spirits. So through the process of dianetics, which is, uh, you maybe you've seen like commercials where like there's like this weird wand and whatever. Um, uh, which by the way, we have a brilliant marketing team that Scientology does. Anyways, uh, and you have to get these thetas out of you and that's be called coming clear. And that is what the church of Scientology teaches. But you don't find that out till like 18 years into the whole process. Um, you just think, oh, they're nice people and they want to ask me about my past, you know, whatever it is. Um, but that's truly what they believe, which is wild. Um, why would God allow suffering? Let me ask you a question. Is it at all logically possible that there could be positive outcomes for suffering? And if it is at all plausible, and especially as the way God sees things, remember his omnisapience and his omniscience, his ability to know all things, is it all plausible that God could have a purpose for pain? The answer is yes. Some of the greatest moments in my life came through moments of great pain, where I moved forward in my faith. Um, uh, I'll give you an example of this, or I'll, 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 how pain can have a purpose. Uh, there's a girl in Atlanta, Georgia, who has a really rare uh, disease called Cepha, and it is that her neurological system does not process pain or pleasure. And so um, as a kid, uh, her mom had to spend an hour every day searching her body 
to make sure that she didn't, as she was playing outside with her friends you know, on a field, run over a rusty nail, and now she's been you know, punctured with some deadly pathogen or, or bacteria, right? Um, she could literally break a bone, have absolutely no idea. She could be internally bleeding, not know. She could have her hand on a stove and it'd be melting. And other than she's smelling, her smelling that her flesh is burning, she'd have no concept that her, that her body's in danger. See, pain is the body's recognition system that something is wrong and you need to go to a doctor to get it healed. Why is Jesus called the great physician? Could it also be that pain operates in that same way, that we should go to the great healer because of, because of pain? I realize that one of, the, one of the things that draws people most to God is pain, is suffering, right? That's, that's that one of the things that God uses in this world to draw us most to him is suffering, it's pain, it's to realize that he is, he's always there for you. Um, he offers you something this world can't offer you, right? Um, and so I think that uh, why does God, you know, allow like, like atrocities that are like happening in the Ukraine or, or, or rape or things like that? I have absolutely no idea. Um, I also don't think God causes everything. I don't, I don't think God causes the person to, to, to have cancer and things along those lines. We live in a world that's not the way it's supposed to be. Genesis chapter 3 makes that very clear. Um, one of the damaging realities of sin, which is the next question, what does sin do? Um, sin causes death. What is death? How would you define death? It's separation of things that ought not and should have never been separated. What is physical death? It's your body from your soul. What is spiritual death? It is your soul from your creator, right? Um, and God never intended for either of those types of deaths to ever happen, physical, no spiritual, right? And so um, to tether these together, right, because we live in a world that's not in the way it's supposed to be, sinful people also commit atrocities against other human beings. And that's not God's fault. That's because of sin. This is not the way that God wanted the world to be. Genesis chapter 3 makes that very clear. Um, can you describe the difference between the soul and the spirit? Um, is that, uh, there's a few viewers here. I'll give you one. For those of you guys that care, it's called substance dualism. Um, okay, so here's the idea. Um, you are a soul. The classical view of a human being is you're something called an embodied soul right? So you have a physical body, but you have a soul. The soul is all that you are. It encompasses your spirit, encompasses your heart, your mind, all of that stuff, your will, your intentions, all of that is your soul. Your spirit is the faculty of your soul that communicates and connects with God. I'll give you an example. You have a body. You also have a tongue that has taste buds. So when you're eating something, through the faculty of your taste buds, you're experiencing and interacting with food. Through the faculty of our spirit, we connect with God through the faculty of our spirit, right? So the soul is all of us. The spirit is the component of us that connects with God. Does that make sense? Great. The spirit is a part of us and the soul because the soul is the tally of who we are, transcends the physical world. Um, is the story of, story of Noah's Ark a literal story? You know what's crazy about this is um, there is more evidence uh, emerging that there was something like a global flood. Um, uh, you know, let's watch this. It's crazy, and I don't believe the guy. But um, right now on, on Netflix, it's like the most popular, it's like ancient something. It was called, has anyone seen this? Ancient apocalypse. All right. Um, uh, there's actually some emerging evidence um, uh, that there was like maybe a global flood that happened about 12,000 years ago, um, which is kind of fascinating um, because up until, uh, up until the last maybe 10 or 15 years, like atheistic um, or secular science was kind of like, this is a silly story. Um, but they've actually found like uh, the type of wood, gopher wood on Mount Ararat um, in Turkey. Um, which is the exact type of wood that, that he would have used. Now, would would have lasted that long? Probably not, so I don't really know what that wood is. But um, I'm more a proponent of a localized flood. Is it a literal story, and how did all these animals and things like that? I, 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 it's the same question, like, is Jonah a literal story? Like, do you really believe, like, a whale, like, swallowed this dude, and three days later, somehow, he was, you know, he's, he was 
breathing. And, you know, I think of this. Human beings have the capacity to create submarines that keep people under the water for six to nine months, right? If God is as great as Scripture says he is, but he's not bigger than you think, he's bigger than you can think. He begins where your imagination comes to an end. If God is that big and great, could, is it at all possible that he could create and have the power to sustain a life inside the belly of a fish? Of course, right? Um, and so we have to start with larger things, like is there a God, things like that. And so is it a literal story? Um, it seemed that Jesus believed it was a literal story, and I kind of camp my flag on who Jesus is, and so if Jesus says it's a literal story, I'm comfortable saying it's a literal story. Um, based on our climate, do you think the end times are near? <laughs> <laughs> uh, like our political climate, like our, 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 the actual climate. Um, okay, I'll tell you what I told uh, when I taught through the book of Revelation a while back, which the person asked, um, why don't we talk about Revelations? Revelation. Um, it's not Revelations, it's Revelation, by the way. Um, we are closer than the end time than ever before. And tomorrow will be closer. <laughs> uh, and today after that, you know, and the 3rd and 4th of July, right? But let me, let me give you some clarity on why I think this is. I've been to the island of Patmos where John wrote that book, where God gave him revelation of, of what the end of the world was going to look like. Imagine you take somebody from 2,000 years ago, and you show them what an atom bomb looks like, and the biggest fire they've ever seen is a campfire. They're like, it's a dragon. The whole sky lit up, you know, like, like, like a fiery dragon, you know? Imagine a thermonuclear bomb, you know, like a hydrogen bomb. Like, they don't have the concept of this stuff. He's never seen a, a car, let alone a plane. Elon Musk sending things into, you know, like this is like, it's bonkers, right? He couldn't, he doesn't have the language to adequately describe what he's saying, right? He talks about this mark of the beast, this, this ability that this, this something that's going to be implanted with inside every human being, that the governments of the world are going to infringe upon your ability to buy things. They're going to be able to track you. Never in the history of the world has there been things like cryptocurrencies and RFID tracking chips, but we live in an era now in which both those technologies exist where the governments of the world right now, there's something called the crypto yen that's happening in China, where they use something called social scores. And if you jaywalk or if you say something bad on your Instagram or whatever it is about the Chinese government, they can infringe upon your ability to buy coffee, go on vacations, buy plane tickets, all of that stuff. That type of stuff's happening now. Now, is, is, is the mark of the beast present on planet Earth right now? No, I don't think so. Um, it'll be, uh, uh, there needs to be a one-world government. There needs to be a one-world currency. There needs to be the Antichrist that comes. For 1,260 days, there'll be peace unequaled in human history. And then for the next 1,260 days, three and a half years, it, it, it's literally hell on earth. After uh, Revelations chapter 3, um, most scholars believe that the church isn't there. Um, so the raptures happened before all the bad things happened because um, the church isn't mentioned. The church of Laodicea, Philadelphia, all, all the Christian church is not mentioned. Uh, and so... Um, do I think we're near the end times, uh, closer than ever before? Um, and the, the, the disposition that Christians are supposed to have really since the time of Christ is that he could come tonight. Um, I still think there are some things in the world. Matthew uh, 15, maybe it's 15. Uh, he talks about the signs of the time, um, that things are going to be happening um, uh, with the climate, actually weird enough. Um, uh, that children are going to start disobeying their parents at higher orders, that people are going to be given over to a debased and depraved mind. And we're start, we're, you know, we as a society now are doing things that no society in human history has ever done. We're the first society to reclassify marriage, and we're also the first society in human history to reclassify gender. There was never a move in human history to do those type of things, right? Um, and these are the type of things that are prophesied 2,000 years ago, which is wild. John could have had no idea of the type of technology that existed today, something that was implanted within all human beings that could track, their, uh, track them, um, infringe upon their ability to cross borders, things like that. But we have that technology today. Um, and so I'm not like an end times person, like, it's, he's coming tonight. Like, um, but the posture is like, get right with God. I'll say it this way. 
I don't know if we're in the end times, but we're in the only times you'll ever have. <laughs> so get right, get right with, with, with your maker uh, you know, today, because the truth is we don't know how much longer we're going to have. Um, wow, there's... Do you think you need to believe in the same theology as the person you like to date? Same theology as the person you like to date. Uh, okay, so Cody and I kind of talked about this. Like, young adults ministries are notorious for this. Sorry, guys, but like, I get why you're here. Um, uh, cause you're single. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, and by the way, it's better to meet a, a guy or girl here than a bar, right? So, like, heck yeah, you know, I'm all about it. Um, it's one of the reasons that young adults ministry should exist at a church, so people can get to know other people their age. Hopefully, you know, find a spouse. Um, right, that's the prayer, and I, I let you guys pray for every night. Uh, so, I, I, you know, I've been a young adults pastor for a while, I've been a high school pastor for a while, and a junior high pastor, and like the whole flirt to convert doesn't work, right? So when is it going to happen is like you're going to compromise in your values. So the same theology, I'll say this, you, they must be a believer that's in the scripture gives us the word equally yoked. It just means that like you're equally mature in your faith without getting too much into the details of what a yoke is, um, that you need to equally be pursuing the Lord, right? Um, if Jesus Christ is important to you and Jesus Christ is not important to the person you're dating, you are fundamentally incompatible. Your world is going to revolve around your faith, and their world is going to revolve around something else. Like, I promise you, you're, you're fundamentally incompatible. And how deep of a relationship can you really have if you're not talking about things that are the most deep and important in your life? You're fundamentally incompatible. Do yourself a favor and, and, and date a Christian. I'll keep, I'll keep it that. If you have questions, you can come talk to me later. Um, what's your New Year's resolution? After all that, uh, read more. That's my, that's my New Year's uh, resolution. Um, is it wrong to be married in the eyes of God but not married legally? I got this question last night um, at Main Campus. So it's called being uh, married, uh, married in the Spirit. Um, okay, there are three institutions that God gave mankind. God gave mankind the church, God gave mankind family, and God gave mankind the government. Bummer. I'm kidding, but he gave us government, right? Um, pay taxes, all that type of stuff, right? Uh, God does not need official recognition from a government to say you guys are married. Genesis 2.24 says, uh, for what God has joined, let no man separate. God does the joining. The word is a cod, fused together in the deepest parts. When God sees a married couple, he sees them as one entity. This is why one of the reasons God hates uh, 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 adultery and divorce. Because you're, like, you get two pieces of duct tape, put them together, and you try pulling them apart. You can do it, but they're both kind of strained, and, and, and uh, both pieces of duct tape need to go to therapy for a really long time after that, right? Um, and so uh, is, it, is it wrong? I'm going to answer this question, yes, uh, I do think, um, because the legality of marriage helps create a permanence of marriage. Um, it is a full life commitment and disclosure to this other individual, and involving the government in that um, uh, is, one, is an agency that God had given mankind. Um, and there's, all, there's tons of benefits, by the way, tax benefits and things like that when you're married, which are sick, um, and when you get kids too. Um, and so is it wrong to be married in the eyes of God but not married legally? Uh, for the modern day person who lives in America, I would probably say yes. Um, but for most of Christian history, uh, governments of the world did not recognize marriage. Like, it wasn't something that they were doing, uh, recognizing Christian marriage, or marriage in general, right? Um, and so most of the marriages that have happened in human history did not have a state sanctioning them. That had tax benefits and things along those lines. Hopefully that answers your question. Um, did Jesus write anything himself? And did he ever re reference or validate other books, passages in the Bible? Uh, from what we know, no, he did not write anything ever. Um, 
he had scribes and obviously his disciples that wrote things down along the way, but he personally didn't pen anything. Um, and did he reference any other books? Tons. Uh, uh, he referenced Jonah. Uh, he referenced Noah. Um, and, and a plethora of other, in the old Deuteronomy, the Shema, Deuteronomy 6, um, a, a plethora of things in the Old Testament. Um, so yes. Um, should we be ready or willing to have at least one example from archaeology, secular author, or science at as many categories as possible that support the fact that the Bible is true and we have the opportunity? Wow. Um, okay, so 1 Peter 3.15 says, always be ready to give an ans- answer for the hope that which you have or some say a defense. Um, the word answer is where we get the Greek word apologia, which we get the, the, the modern English word apologetics, which is the defense of the Christian faith. Um, is Paul, or is Peter, I'm sorry, saying there that you have to be able to like give, so there's been 22,000 archaeological digs since the time of Christ, and not one of those archaeological digs have disproven something that's found in Scripture. Do you need to know that? No, you don't. Do you need to know the teleological and cosmological arguments for God's fine-tuning of the universe? No, you don't. What did, what, did, what did Peter say? Be ready to give an answer for the hope in which you have. It's a question. How has Jesus changed your life? Why have you decided to place your life, your hope, your, your identity in Jesus Christ? It's your personal story and testimony. And so if you're wired, like, scientifically or philosophically, or uh, uh, if, you're, if your brain is wired that way, then sure, lean into your wiring. But if you're not, like my wife, like, couldn't care less. Like, I'll be, like, reading, like, a science book about biology or something, right, or, or cosmology. I'm like, oh, my gosh, there's 312 cosmological constants, and, and I'll start going through the mass and details of it, and she's like, I, I, don't, I don't care. And you're like, you know, like, like uh, she's not wired that way. But when she shares her faith, she shares it through, this is how God has changed my life. Um, and so, no, if you're not wired to care about mathematics and science and philosophy and psychology, then you're, you're, all you're responsible for is why have you decided to follow Jesus Christ? If you asked the early disciples that question, they would have said two things. He changed my life, and we saw him die, and he walked out of the grave. The better you are at understanding and being able to explain the resurrection, 1 Corinthians 15, the more confident you'll be in your faith. All of it hinges upon, did this dude who claimed to be God die three days later walk out of the grave? If he did, surely this man speaks with an authority that no other human being has, right? Um, Where do dinosaurs fit in the Christian timeline? I also got this question. Uh, two, Two camps here. One is um, young earth creation, and one is old earth creation. Young earth, the earth is 6,000 years old. I do not believe that. I believe in old earth creationism. The, the universe is 15 billion years old, uh, or 14 point something, seven, and uh, uh, the earth is 5 billion years old. Um, I believe dinosaurs were killed um, via a meteor um, 65 million years ago, uh, and so where they fit in is uh, way before people. Like I, don't, like I said today, I don't think Adam and Eve are like riding T-Rexes, you know, like, you know, uh, I don't think that was a thing, right? Um, there are Christians that do that. A guy named Ken Ham. Um, is uh, uh, one of the world's probably most famous young earth creationism uh, uh, proponent. And um, he like, believes that like dinosaurs walked along um, uh, the planet with Adam and Eve. I just, I don't believe that. I think too much scientific evidence through carbon dating and things like that proves that there is an old world. Um, and I don't know why God would decide to create the world with the appearance of age. God doesn't, God doesn't ever try to trick you. Um, so yeah. Uh, but not, not, not super important to your salvation. Not at all important to your salvation, by the way. Um, I got this question earlier, too. Uh, will my puppy be in heaven? I answered, it, I answered it this way. I said, if you have a dog, yes. If you have a cat, no. But um, all the cat owners were heated. Um, 
No, uh, it's plausible, absolutely. I've answered this question historically, and I've given the answer no, because I didn't believe that they had a spirit, something that connected with God. But then I thought more about it, and I said, heaven is a place where, uh, uh, a place of goodness, and um, things that we experienced here on earth that were good, what's well, not to say that we could also have those capacities to experience that good there? We enjoy our animals, they're good. What's to say God couldn't bring them there? So it is, it's 100% plausible. Um, were there giants before the flood? Uh, it's depending on how you read the book of Genesis. There's these, these, these beings called the Lethlehem. Um, there's also something called the Leviathan and the Behemoth in Job 40. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Um, how do you know someone is the right person you should be with? That's a good question. Let me ask you a question. Do you believe God has like one person out there for you? Or do you believe there's like a bunch of potential people out there? All right, raise your hand if you think there's like a bunch of potential people. It's all guys. Uh, uh, it's going through your Instagram uh, or your twin, Tinder. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, all right, raise your hand if you think there's that one special person. Just that one special person. Um, yes. Uh, how do you know someone is... Uh, Right. First and foremost, you are fundamentally compatible because you are pursuing the Lord together, right? Um, what I say is like, and when I do dating talks on this, which I've done a handful of times in young adults, um, you can't create Mrs. Right if you're a guy or vice versa. You can just become Mr. or Mrs. Right, which Cody talked about today. And every time I do a dating series, here's what I tell you. Uh, clean out your closet. Like, no one likes your daddy issues, right? Like, and I got them too. It's fine, right? We all have daddy issues, right? No, like, that's not, like, work through that. Go to counseling. I went to eight years of counseling, right? It's one of the things that changed my life. I was a dumpster fire, and now I'm just, I'm a little fire, right? But, like, go to counseling. I'm, I'm telling go to counseling. Every single one of you, my wife um, comes from, like, literally, like, the Hallmark family, like a perfect family. Doyle and Connie, the, pa- the pastors, founding pastors of our church, are her, her parents, an incredible family. She went to counseling for five years. If she went to five years, I need to go to counseling for 50 years, you know? Um, uh, the second, so, so clean your closet. Look, we all have emotional baggage, right? Don't bring that stuff in, 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 into uh, your dating relationships. There's no such thing as dating or uh, marital problems. There are two people that have problems that get into a relationship or they get married. Deal with that stuff. Uh, get out of debt. No one's super stoked on your $100,000. No one thinks like $25,000 of debt is hot, right? Like, or, or you're like 400, your 480 credit score. You know, like, that's not attractive, you know? Um, like if you can't get a lease for a car because like you have been charging things, like that's not like, no one's like, wow, you're poor. I love it. Um, also, yeah, whatever. Um, so get out of debt, right? I mean, if, you, if you're in school debt, like, look, I got more school debt than I know what to do with. I'll be paying bail off till I die. Um, but that's a different, a home, home debt different. Like consumer debt, just like buying things that you don't have the, like the, the, like, I see so many high schoolers that like make minimum wage like every Saturday, like going to eat sushi. And I'm like, how do you, how are you doing this? You know, like, um, like what? Yeah, dad. Uh, <laughs> um, live within your means, right? So uh, uh, clean air closet. Um, get, uh, what was the next one? Get out of debt. Uh, next one, stay out of bed. Let me clarify this. Stay out of bed. <laughs> Don't have sex. Uh, it's not like God is like trying to keep something from you. It's like, so I think of it this way, right? I just, uh, you know, my daughter's uh, 11 months tomorrow and I, uh, as a father, right, um, I have certain parameters and I will have certain parameters for her. I don't want her to hang out with these type of people potentially or date uh, these type of people when, when she grows older, you know? It's not because I want to keep something from her. It's because I, I want what's good for her. God never keeps you from something. 
God is for your human flourishing. What does John 10, 10 teach us? For the thief comes to kill and steal and destroy, but I, Jesus says, I've come to give life and I give it abundantly. If you want abundant life, you need to be blessable. Um, living with your, uh, with your boyfriend or girlfriend, sleeping with them, um, watching pornography, whatever it may be, not blessable. If you want to be blessable by God, you need to be in a blessable state. Um, I didn't even answer the question. How do you know if someone is a, a right person? Um, fasting and prayer, obviously, the counsel of other people, right? Um, they're pursuing God. They've dealt with their issues. You've dealt with theirs. Um, you're working for your, your consumer debt if you have some. Um, write a list of non-negotiables, too. So I'll tell you one of mine, right? Um, mine, mine non-negotiable for my wife was that she was going to be a virgin. Now, why could I make that a, a non-negotiable? Because I was a virgin. Um, it would, would that be morally right for me if I was not a virgin to make that re- request a non-negotiable? Of course not. That'd be wrong of me. So if you are a virgin here, that could be a non-negotiable. If you're not, uh, I would say that that probably couldn't be in yours. That'd be wrong of you to expect something of your, of, of your future spouse or your boyfriend or girlfriend that you have not kept yourself. Um, so I, I, I created a list of non-negotiables, right? And um, as I asked God, are, are these realistic? I want, I want your cooperation in creating these. I want this person to pursue you, have a heart for you, want to be in ministry, all this type of stuff. Um, and uh, God brought that person, that literally exact person into my life, right? Um, so yeah, all right. Uh, what are your thoughts on What are your thoughts on studying at Biola? Yes. So here's my thoughts. If you're a Christian um, and you don't plan on going in the ministry, um, you, uh, you have a spectrum of colleges I think you can go to, Azusa um, and things like uh, uh, Grand Canyon, things like that, which they're great schools, great schools. Um, if you want to be in ministry, though, um, there's only one of those schools that require you to minor in Bible or theology or hermeneutics or something, and that's Biola. Um, and so if you want to, if you have, if you have a desire or a passion to go, then, then yes, I would say go to Biola. Um, it is a fortune, okay? Um, like, I think I have like, I think I, I had like $80,000 student debt or something like that, when, which is just like, I think a down payment for a house. You know, it's like, I'm never paying that off. You know, I'm going to be renting forever. Uh, so yeah. Um, so yes, I'm, I'm a big fan of Biola. I love Biola. Um, I learned so much there. Uh, what time is it? Oh, wow. We've already done like 40 minutes. Uh, what do you guys, re- I still have, now I have 71 questions. Um, I could just open it up if you guys are, would you guys rather just text them in? Or like, what's up? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. What you got? Oh, sick. Okay. Uh, <laughs> you're speaking for everybody. I guess you're doing there. He said, um, anyone just want to like ask, ask a question? You're like, I mean, I could do some of like the, like the hot topic ones that I have here, which I always get, which I can do that, but. Is there a mission strip update? There is a mission strip update. I'm trying to take all you guys to Guatemala over Thanksgiving break this year. Um, so I'm planning the details out in the next few um, uh, weeks. Um, and it's going to be expensive, I'll be real, right? Like the price of airline fuel right now, whatever. It's just, it's crazy. Um, and so uh, we, I was going to go last year. I was going to try to take you guys last year. Um, but yes, we as a church are going to restart bringing... Um, uh, we're going to start redoing uh, mission trips to India, um, Africa, Guatemala, Mexico. We're going to start with Guatemala because it's our closest and greatest partner. Um, Hope of Life, phenomenal. It's the easiest trip to take people. We're going to be doing a family one as well in, I think, that same. So it's going to be an all-church one. Um, it's going to be expensive. I, I think it'll be like, I, I don't even want to quote you. In, historically, it's been like $1,400, $1,700. Um, but we, we help you with fundraising. We write a letter. You had it. You send to like everyone that you know and love and everyone on your Instagram to help. Uh, develop a GoFundMe so you can go. Um, 
or whatever it is. Uh, so yeah, the update is I'm going to try to plan one just so you guys know if you want to like jot it in your calendar or whatever it is. Um, Thanksgiving break this year. That's historically when we've always gone. I've gone like 12 times or something like that and that's normally when we go. What's up? How long the trip is? It's one, it's one week. Yeah, yeah. It, uh, it's normally, um, we leave Sunday after church. We have a red eye um, that leaves and then uh, LAX and then um, what time will we get back? I think it's Saturday of the next week or something like that, something like that. Uh, the vaccinations, like, like COVID vaccine. Oh, that's a great question. That's a great question. I don't, know how to, I, don't, I don't know if I can answer that. I'm going to say no, but like, I don't know why you would need to be vaccinated. Well, I, so whenever I go to like, uh, when I went to India or when I went to Africa, you like, the CDC mandates that you get certain things. Like, I got like 21 vaccines. I was like, I was good for everything. Like, I think I, I, I don't think I'll ever get cancer. That's how many like vaccines I had. Um, I think it was like 17 or something like that. Like my arms, I couldn't move for like three days. Um, yeah, or you just go online. I mean, you call MC. You know, like, uh, hello, my uh, social security numbers. Uh, uh, yeah, so I mean, uh, you can literally go online to the CDC, and it'll tell you if you're traveling to certain, uh, most, mostly third world countries, um, what requirements that they, or even ones that they say, like, like I got a malaria one, which wasn't required, but I was taking pills all the way when I was in Africa, things like that. Any other ones? Say, say that one more time. What? What? Surrender my understanding, yeah. Like I said earlier, God is not bigger than you think. He's bigger than you can think, right? And so there are just going to be certain things that are going to be out, left outside of the scope of, of my three-pound brain. I'll give you an example. How much of the internet is an ant going to understand? Imagine you're like, okay, dude, there was DSL back in the day, um, and, you know, like, and then like AOL, like nothing. If God is who he claims to be, as infinite and grand as he is, we're in a worse position than the ant trying to understand the internet. You know what I'm saying? Um, and so I, I just surrender my, my parts of my understanding by going as far as, as, as his word has given me to reveal about who he is. Uh, there's things called incommunicable attributes of God, things that he, um, he has revealed about who he is to us, uh, his omnipersonality characteristics, all-knowing, all-loving, things like that, right? Um, I rest in him being good and greater than I am. The Bible says that his ways are above our ways as far as the ocean is from the stars. That's, that's a long way, <laughs> you know? Anyone else? No, I don't even know what that is. The seven spirits of God? I know like what the seven deadly sins are. The seven spirits. I've never heard of this. It sounds like, um, I, I, uh, I mean, we'll, we'll sit and talk personally about this, but it sounds like um, not orthodox. The word spirit um, alerts me. That also, that also alerts me. I'm triggered, okay? Um, Seven characteristics? He's got more than that. I mean, uh, I'm going to Google it, all right? Uh, there's a question over there. Yeah. Uh, I think about this. Um, here's my thoughts. So uh, my dad, um, he passed away January 14, 2015, and from everything that I know about, I mean, he could have had this moment with Jesus in his subconscious, but the way that he passed away on life support really quickly, he never professed faith in Jesus Christ. If I get to heaven and he's not there, and I have memories of my dad, how, won't those thoughts torment me? And so 
it does seem, right, that we, we, we will recognize people and things like that. I don't know how God balances this. If I get there and my daughter's not there, you know, my wife, whatever, it's not heaven for me. So I don't know how God balances this. I, so I don't know if I, can, if I can give you an answer on this. Because what I can tell you, like, I believe that Jesus is the only way. And so if my dad, at some subconscious level, and the moments before his life was taken from him, didn't profess faith and give his life over to Jesus, then I won't see him there. And I don't know how to balance this tension um, with the memory of him being my dad, loving, and things like that. And uh, yeah, in the back. Some, so what was the first part of your question again? Oh, fear the Lord, love the Lord. Yeah. You need to understand that he, like I said earlier, is never keeping something good from you. Right? He has something better in his other hand. And so when he says no, it isn't because he's spiting. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you this. This may be something new for you to hear. God, number one, is never keeping something good from you. And if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, God never punishes you. Why? It would be unjust for him to punish his son on the cross and also punish you. So whenever you're suffering, whenever you're going through a difficult moment, there's pain in your life, it is not because God is punishing you. It would be unjust for him to punish Jesus and you. Um, we need to understand that God is omnibenevolent, all good. He's loving, and he's a good father. Uh, fear has its properties. For, the beginning of, uh, uh, for fear is the beginning of wisdom, right, or knowledge. Um, like, I had a healthy fear of my dad, not because, like, you know, we we're going to square up in the backyard. You know, it wasn't like that, but um, it was like a reverence, a respect for him, you know? Um, it wasn't like my dad got home and I'm, like, cowering in my closet. You know, like, that would be an unhealthy relationship you have with your father. Um, I want my daughter not to fear me, but to love me and know that when I say no to something, it isn't because I, I dislike her. I'm not trying to, it's because I understand that what she wants in that moment, I'll give you an example, for example, um, I uh, had a kitchen, I, I was eating steak the other day, and I had my daughter like right next to me, and she was trying to grab my, my steak knife. And I was like, no, no, I grabbed her hand and, and put the steak over here. She lost her mind. She starts screaming. She's learning fits. It's terrible, right? But I was like, here you go, Noelle. You know, like, there's a hand over my Glock. You know, like, can you imagine, like, how, like, here you go, like, aim over there. You know, like, like that would not be good. At her maturity level, if I hand her something that exceeds her ability, her maturity level, it's dangerous, oh, I want a boyfriend, I want a girlfriend, I, I want to get married. That could be dangerous for you right now because your maturity level, if God hands that over to you, it's like me handing a Glock over to my, it'll ruin her life. And, and if God, you know, God's never keeping something from you. He's, wanting, he's waiting and wanting for you to mature so he can hand you the good things he has from you. Does that make sense?
Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I need to do a, a study on that. I would need to do a study. Um, I'm not a big fan of, like, t- you know, plucking verses out and saying this is what this whole, you know, because we need to read it in context, Scripture, Scripture, you know. So I hear what you're saying. So I've also heard that verse, so that gives me some food for thought. What's up? No, don't do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so I hear you're saying. So uh, I think one of the things is, like, there are a lot of, like, Christians that are comparing themselves to their pastor, right? Like, look, I'm no better than you. Like, I'm just on this journey together. I just went to school, and, I, and this is a calling on my life, right? Like, I'm not, like, closer to God by any means, and I'm not, like, follow me as I follow the Lord. Like, that's not it, you know? Um, uh and, and if you're ever in a church and they say things like that, like, get out of that church. You know, like, if there's ever this, like, barrier between the pastor and the congregation and there's, like, this holy, you know, that's not it. That's what, one of the things I don't like about the Catholic Church, by the way. Uh, there is a barrier. And in their teaching, they, in the ecclesiastical order, that the, the, the pastors, the priests are someone to be, um, um, I don't know. <laughs> I'll answer it this way. Um, one person, Jesus. That's it. You are comparing yourself to Jesus, and that's always to continue to make you feel bad about yourself, and then realize how much he loves you, that you're fully known yet fully loved, um, and that he has more and greater for you. Uh, we're not to compare ourselves to other people. That puts us in a comparison trap that makes us feel better about others or worse. Um, uh, you're, you're solely compare yourself to Jesus. Yeah, you're you're, agree- you're 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 asserting a premise that I don't know if if is theologically accurate. It is a it is a so our question Nephilim. There were supposed to be these angelic beings that fell. Isaiah talks about this from heaven, the demonic realm. Um, some readings of Genesis says that mankind had sexual intercourse with these angelic beings and created something called the Nephilim. The Nephilim uh, were these. We call them creatures or whatever it is that came after the, the, that interbreeding. God flooded and purged the world because people did no longer bear his image because it was distinguished or inst- uh, yet uh, w- through the, the crossbreeding um, with these uh, demonic fallen creatures. Um, I don't know if that is an accurate reading there. I have read that. I've studied that. There's a plethora of ways to read it. Um, so I don't know if I can actually give you an answer because like, I, don't, I don't know if that's, that's real. Oh, yeah, it, it, I couldn't even answer that. I don't even know. Would, those, would the Nephilim have the capacity to enter into God's presence? I, I couldn't even, I don't even want to give you an answer because, yeah, yeah. I'll just do a few more. That's great. This is a good question. Um, is it at all possible that prayer is not about changing God, it's about changing you? It's about surrendering your will, right? Um, um, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? Um, yeah, is it all possible? Sure, there are times in Scripture where it seems like prayer seems to change God in a sense in which uh, God's immutable. He doesn't change. So uh, it's just, it, it seems to correlate uh, together. Um, I think prayer 
more changes you than it, than it would ever change God. It more aligns you with God's will than aligning God with your will. And again, if God is all-knowing and things like that, then he's not going to hand you. The uh, Bible says God's never going to hand you a snake. He's only going to give you good things. Um, uh, 1 John 1, 9, for all good gifts come down from the Father of heavenly lights. Um, yeah, I, I would say that prayer uh, changes you more than, more than it would ever change God. It, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, so, so uh, uh, I'm going to do this quickly because you're asking a, a very complex question. There are three ways to think of this. I'm going to tell you one. One is called Molinism. In Acts chapter 15, Luke uh, gives this idea of how maybe God operates. And um, uh, it's the idea that God has omnisopience, knows all possible outcomes. So knows that if my daughter Noelle was born in my family or Genghis Khan's family or Hitler's family or whoever, um, would choose Jesus, yes or no. Then God creates a world in which the highest probability of people would come to know and choose him. By, think of this really quick. Again, if his ways really are this way. He viewed you and every single family in human history with every single opportunity given to you in every single home that's ever been built and, and every geographical location on the planet and realized that he placed you at the exact appointed time in human history with your family, with your experiences, the pain and the pleasure and all of that so that you would have the highest probability of coming to know and choose him as Lord. And he orchestrated the entire human race since the very beginning in that way. I mean, that way of thinking is so beyond ours, you know? Um, so the world that we live in today is the best, and the, it's not a word, goodest, uh, a, a world that God could create managing our free will. Um, so I don't know if that answers your question. Sure. Yeah. We'll do two more. Yeah, just because you know, you have the knowledge of what someone will choose does not infringe upon their ability to choose. Um, I know if I go back tonight and put the steak knife next to my daughter, guess what she's going to try to grab? Or she's going to try to stab me with a steak knife now, right? So um, right, just because I have the knowledge of what she will do does not indicate that I'm the one coercing and forcing her to do that, right? Knowledge does not equate uh, uh, intention or action by any means. Just because God knows something does not mean that he's the one causing that. What's up? They're not good Christians then. Uh, 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 I don't know what the term good Christian. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I would say no. Um, uh, if it's not with the intensity of witnessing to them, but being in fellowship with them, no. Um, the, 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 Paul talks about this. Call them anathema. And then, like, like, excommunicate them from your life. If they're claiming the name of Jesus, but worship a different Jesus. Or have some, yeah. There's one over here. What's up? Yeah, it's this one. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, uh, we're a non-denominational church. Um, yeah, all of them, like, the, the Baptist or, you know. Um, I actually don't 
have a great uh, understanding of all the different denominations. Uh, um, they're all open-hand and closed-hand issues. So closed-hand issues, Jesus is the Son of God, God exists in the Trinity, you're saved by grace, to faith alone, the five souls of the Reformation, that type of stuff. Open-hand stuff, um, should we be doing hymns? Uh, should a drum set ever be on the stage? Um, would it be sinful to have an electric guitar? What if we had like LED lights? You know, like, um, like the Lutherans, like, like they, 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 they hate that stuff. You know, like I mean, the Methodist or whatever it is, right? Um, uh, those are all like, how, do, how, should, uh, how should a church worship? You know, like again, you know, um, should we just have like an organ? You know, so no. But I would say go to one where they're, they're preaching the word of God. Second Timothy teaches us uh, uh, that you should know the word of God so that you can, uh, you can prove your pastor. You can, you can attest your pastor. Um, uh, so yeah, we'll do one more question. One more question. Sure. Great question. Yeah, I'll answer this quickly, and then if you want, we can spend more time talking about this. Yeah, out of all the religions in the world, like, how did we, how are we lucky enough to be sitting in the one room where the guy is talking about the real God, you know? Um, uh, it's a great question. Um, what, what makes Christianity unique and separate from every other world religion is it anchors itself in history. No other religion does so. First Corinthians uh, chapter 15, the Apostle Paul literally says that, that if our faith, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, make fun of me, burn the books, all of it, right? However, if he did, and he starts naming off people, he literally names, I think it's called a, I don't remember the street he names in there. He starts, what is it? No, 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 it's a specific street. Uh, like, like, it'd be like off Cerritos. He starts naming people that live in the houses that saw Jesus resurrect. Like, like don't believe me, like, go talk to these people. This is their address, this is where they live, right? This is social security number, whatever, right? Like, this is, this is who they are, right? And then there's 500 witnesses. And uh, uh, if you study the, it's called the historicity of the resurrection, which we can do, I've done before, if, if that's something you guys want to do. Um, you realize that what makes Christianity unique is it anchors itself in a historical event, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, Islam's very different, um, uh, Hinduism, Buddhism. Um, they're also logically inconsistent, some of them are. I don't want to get too much into that, but um, I'll just make it simple, the resurrection. And so if you're doubting or you have friends that are doubting, point them to people like Lee Strobel, um, who have done great work on, on the historicity of the resurrection. He was a, uh, an atheist uh, that wrote for the New York uh, Times, I believe. Um, he went to disprove Christianity by, by basically studying the uh, resurrection um, and saying, like, it didn't happen, and then, like, came to the fact, like, yo, this this seemed to happen, you know, like, like this seemed, like, given the evidence, what's the best explanation? And he's like, this guy actually walked away from the, I'll give you one example from this. Um, he writes in his book, uh, uh, it's called The Change of Heart and Disciples. So people always say, like, well, martyrs aren't specific to Christianity. There's been tons of people that have died for their faith. 9-11. Well, what separates the, the disciples who 11 out of the 12 um, all died horrifically? Their heads being um, beheaded, uh, horses um, their arms strapped and legs strapped to horses. They go in all four different directions, dipped in wax. Um, uh, their skin filleted. Uh, Peter was crucified upside down. What could possess these men to die these horrific deaths if they knew they were dying for a lie? Nothing. They would go, I was kidding. The guy died, the movement's dying with him. Like every other religion, when the guy dies, the movement ends normally. Um, what about the people that flew um, planes into uh, the towers at 9-11? Um, they believed they were following the truth about a guy that lived thousands of years ago, 1,600 years ago. The disciples were unique because they would know if they were dying for a lie. 
These guys are hopeful that they are uh, uh, following the real way. These people are eyewitnesses to it. They would have been like, the, the, the phrase is this, liars make poor martyrs. No one's going to die for a lie. Um, the people that believe in the 40 virgins and all that, they, they truly believe that if I kill the infidel if I, if I avenge Allah or whatever it is, that like, they truly believe that. Um, but again, I, obviously, I think they died for a lie. I don't, I don't believe that by any means. Um, the eyewitnesses. It's called the change of heart of the disciples. And there's five other factors around the, the resurrection. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, cool. Um, I'll hang up here. I know you guys probably got a lot more questions. We, I, that was an hour. Um, and, and so uh, I literally got 71 more questions that I didn't get to answer. So I'll hang up here if you have any questions. Other than that, next week, we're doing Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 14. Bring some people. Uh, it should be a fun, uh, fun service. Put your arm around somebody. I'll pray for us. And then uh, we'll get out of here. Father, excited about what you're doing in the lives of my friends here and what you're doing in this ministry. And I ask that you continue to lead us. And that, like I said earlier, help us give us a heart for truth because if, we do, if you give us a heart for truth, and uh, God, we seek truth, we'll find you its author. And so Lord, would you continue to speak to us, guide us, grow us closer to you. We love you and in Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to the SCG Church Young Adults Podcast. For more information about our services, events, and ways to get involved, head on over to scgchurch.org. Thanks again for listening and have a blessed day.